Welcome back to the Mom Mentality Show. My name is Austin Chadwick and co-host is uh, Chris Lucian. And today we're excited to have Tom Gill with us uh, to hit some fun topics, you know, about just sharing and finding the right tool for the job, you know, impact uh, estimation. And uh, if we have time, maybe we'll get to some relationship between metrics and collaboration, like uh, co-creation or mobbing or things like that. Uh, before we jump into those topics, Tom, do you mind giving us an introduction to yourself? Right. Uh, born in Pasadena, California, 1940. Uh, long story short, when I was 17, I followed a beautiful blonde to Norway. She's in the other room, by the way. We've been married since then. And at 17, I asked for a job at IBM and they gave me one. And that's how I got into the business. That was 1958. So I've been in the business a long time. Uh, written a lot of books and this and that, but everything you want to know, uh, you'll find at my website, gilb.com. Right on, right on. Well, well, thanks for being on the show. And, you know, to kick off kind of the first topic, I thought uh, I'd reiterate for our audience something that we've said on the show several times uh, about our um, kind of sharing of uh, mob programming. And then that is kind of the uh, just sharing principle. In that, you know, when we share about mobbing, we're not saying, hey, here's the one solution to solve all things. Uh, you know, what we are saying is, hey, here's something that worked for us. Here's the experiments we ran. Here's the results. Um, so it's basically saying it's possible. Uh, you might have success with it. You can experiment and try in your own environment. Uh, we're not saying your problem is the same as ours. You'll get the same results. This should work for you. This will work for you, example, uh, et cetera. And so, um, yeah, I think... Uh, you know, in our previous conversations, it was good to clarify that. And it led to some some cool things that you're queued up to share here as well. Um, so to kind of kick off that topic, uh, what, what's kind of your thoughts on this one, Tom? And, you know, kind of choosing the best, well, best tool, tool yeah, for the job. <laughs> yeah. In, in a nutshell, when we share, we should share so that the information is useful. And so uh, and I'd never thought very much about that before I encountered you guys. So I, I wrote up uh, 10 points uh, that articulate what I think here. They're on a slide, which everybody can get, even people listening to the podcast to remember them afterwards. And I'm showing them uh, now. Uh, so the, the, the first thing is that when people share an idea, like I like method X, I believe they are obligated to tell us in several dimensions why they like it and not just one dimension, like it's more productive. They ought to talk about maybe security and usability. They ought to talk about nasty side effects and they ought to talk about it measurably. Okay, that's my world, multi-dimensional measurement of values and qualities. So when, when I share things, I share in multiple dimensions as far as possible quantitatively and I'm honest about negative side effects uh, that people, so people don't get surprised. So I think that's my number one principle about sharing. Share, I would call this engineering or scientific information as far as you can. Now, if you don't have any, you say, actually, I'm sharing, I like method X, but I haven't got any data about it. And I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, say that too, then share the fact of your ignorance with pride. The um, uh, second point, I call external knowledge. Uh, if there is any uh, um, papers or reports or studies that can be shared 
about that thing you're talking about and you know about it, well, tell people that. Give them the URL. Uh, don't, don't keep it to yourself. So share what I call external knowledge. Now, anybody you're talking to, they have their own needs, their own objectives, their own requirements. And in a way, the fact that this method is great for you doesn't count. The question is, is it good for them? So you should ideally know something about what they primarily are interested in, just to say that you're very interested in user usability, but they're totally turned on with AI, artificial intelligence, and big data. Then, you know, you ought to ask them, you know, what is your main interest right now? I might have something that might interest you. And then they tell you this and, you know, that it's artificial intelligence and whatever, and you say, oh, uh, well, I don't really know if what I'm so enthusiastic about is good for that. I guess you'll have to find out for yourself, but I'd like to tell you about it anyway. In other words, uh, acknowledge that they are different people with different needs, inquire about, you know, at least the, the, the highlight of their, their needs uh, and try to address it with any knowledge you have. Or maybe follow up and say, you know, I hear you're interested in AI. Uh, I'm going to study that and I'll, I'll send you what I have on AI for this method. That would be a nice courtesy. Um, number uh, uh, um, four, I, uh, uh, I, people you're talking to, they have their own methods culture. They have their own culture, their organizational culture, their methods culture. And actually you should know something about it as opposed to nothing whatsoever before you recommend a change to their culture. So, you know, you could politely ask, you know, uh, you know, I've got a flat organization or a hierarchical organization or a fear-driven organization or a crazy organization. And by the way, uh, what kind of, you know, do you use agile methods or uh, artificial intelligence uh, to, to solve all your problems or what do you do? So uh, you should know something about their culture. You can politely ask and then say, ah, well, if that's your culture, then I think I have an idea that might interest you. Or if that's your culture, I'm not sure my idea would interest you, but I want to tell you about it anyway, and we can both find out you know, whether it does fit or not. My just sharing point number five, uh, I think if you know about any uh, dangers with using the method, like it takes too long, it requires top management, sincere support, things like that. You should tell people, you know, right away, by the way, there are some risks here. There are some dangers uh, that are, are well known. And I want to tell you about those up front. And I've got some documentation on it. You know, don't just say it's a great method and, and, and gloss over any dangers you know about. Or you could say, I actually don't know about any risks or dangers. So, uh, you know, beware and uh, check them out yourself, maybe in some of the written stuff we can supply. The sixth just sharing point I call regrets. And it's the famous question uh, that you should, you should offer an answer to. It said, if I were using, starting to use this method again, all over again, I would do the following things different for the following reasons. Share your experience, be honest about the fact you screwed up on a number of points and help them get a slightly better start uh, when you've done that. The seventh just sharing point I call costs. And if you know anything about costs, now cost is not just money. That was probably the first thing in your mind. But I, I'm interested in resources in general, that is people, time, money, space. 
And I think it's interesting, the short term and the long term. The long term are things like the maintenance of the system through 10 years, and the short term is maybe the capital investment or the time to deadline, that kind of thing. So uh, as, as far as if you have any information about costs and resources, especially surprising information, like it was surprisingly cheap or surprisingly expensive, uh, share your experience or share the experience that you know from other people, but share the cost experience when you share it. Uh, number eight, I call suppliers. So uh, there may be a, a, a supplier and IBM or Hewlett Packard or uh, Oracle supplying this, and you may have experience like having written a contract with them, uh, seeing how well they support you when you need it, uh, bitterly regretting choosing that particular supplier for that thing. And I think you ought to uh, tell them you have information and experience with suppliers and tell them what it is and help them maybe avoid problems or even select a better supplier. The ninth uh, notion of uh, just sharing knowledge is alternatives that uh, you might have considered some alternatives and rejected them and then chosen your favorite method. Well, uh, tell them that, you know, and uh, you could even tell them, actually, we regret having rejected that other one, but we, because we didn't do it, we still don't know a lot about it. We now think it, we shouldn't have rejected it because we thought it was too costly or we thought the supplier was in Russia or something awful like that. Huh. Okay, but uh, uh, so uh, give people information about other alternatives that you have considered or would consider in the future, okay? And finally, uh, if you have any uh, uh, disclosures you should make, like I own stock in that company, or they're paying me a 30% uh, commission if you do a business, then be upfront and honest about it. Uh, and so they, they don't discover it afterwards and think you were trying to fool them. So those are my basic ideas of how to share knowledge. Now, I have a, uh, an example of doing that, uh, a next slide, but I'll shut up for a moment and let you guys get in there and discuss this. So uh, Tom, would you say, um, I guess what's the context? You know, I, I wanna build a shared context here. So what's the context of this? Are you, are you suggesting that you know, two people meet at a conference and then, and then the person that you know, here's a little bit about somebody's situation kind of enumerates all of these things when talking about something that they've been going through. Is this more of maybe a formal method where you're saying you're preparing a presentation and you're going to deliver that? Uh, you know, how, how would you, um, you know, do, do we say all 10 okay. items whenever we bring right, something up right, to somebody? Right. Yeah. So obviously it varies depending on the situation and you're very right to bring that up. I, I frankly hadn't thought too much about it. But uh, uh, so let, let's say uh, if you're going to make a presentation about an idea, you know, then uh, this I hope is a good checklist of things you try to, ought to bring into the presentation. I am constantly amazed about people who make presentations and give practically none of this, no data whatsoever. And I asked them for information and facts and measures and they like oh, well, we didn't get around to measuring it, but it's really cool, you know? So uh, most technical talks, and I've been to a lot of conferences in my life, most technical talks, I believe, would benefit by using this as an agenda. And so would writing a paper about it, 
Now, down to the, you're chatting with somebody in the hallway at the conference or in a meeting or just a little uh, Zoom meeting you have. Uh, this becomes an agenda where you say, uh, you know, uh, I, I could tell you a lot more about this in depth, but I realize it would take me at least a half an hour to an hour. So you have to tell me whether you have that time and you want that information or you want to do it later or you'd like me to supply it in writing. But I'm telling you, I do have a lot more factual information available and I'm pleased to help you if that helps you. So that's my answer to that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, that's good. I, I, so, you know, I, I agree with a lot of this and I think a lot of it is just contextual. You know, I, I might might speak to somebody about something I'm interested in and that might just be a, you know, hey, this is happening to me and I'm just sharing about that. Um, but maybe it, it's not necessarily a recommendation uh, versus, you know, something like, oh, that's your context, you should really do this. Um, and so, you know, I, I think the distinction is important, but um, this, I mean, as a, as, as kind of a comprehensive checklist, this is great because, you know, I, I do agree that uh, I think especially building empathy, like I think numbers three and four, particularly um, uh, speak to me, uh, you know, as something that gets dropped off uh, very often. Um, and, yeah, and, and also uh, regrets and dangers as well. But I, I think, you know, to me, three and four are, are um, stick out a lot. Good. <laughs> that was very empathetic, and that's good. Yeah, I, th I think people just run around sharing ideas as though it's a great idea. Everybody should be interested. There, there's a lot of that going on. And uh, again, everybody's different. And I, I think it, it, when I was learning sociology years ago, uh, they had a concept they called being other-oriented. In other words, you know, it's not about me and what I think I want to talk about. And we start off by what you, what can I help you with? What would you be interested in? Uh, the first thing I do when I get a new LinkedIn contact is I send them a little email and say, tell me what your particular interest is. is. I might have some material for you. Okay? But I don't start off talking, here's all my material. Uh, I hope you like it. Uh, you know, because... I have a wide range of interests and so do they. But if they tell me what they want me to share, then I'm more likely to give them something relevant and useful. But by the way, uh, just for fun, I challenge you to give this page of these ideas to your next people you interview on the podcast <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> no, yeah. Or, that Go ahead. Or even, or even just do it for, you know, um, mob programming, yes. you know, in general, say, because yeah. uh, okay, I've, I've listened to a few of the, and uh, people are like that. If you don't demand facts and knowledge of people, mm -hmm. they tend not to give it. Uh, you really have to say, I'm very interested in what it cost, what it had and what your problems were, you know, you got to, and, and then some people just can't do it because they don't know enough, frankly. And say, gotcha, you know, you don't really know what you're talking about. We don't, don't always say that aloud, but we think that. Yeah, okay? yeah for sure. Yeah, and, and actually to a couple of your points there, I, I, uh, I like the ones you like, Chris, and I also liked um, the being honest about dangers, regrets. Uh, the, the vulnerability there is huge, and it, it kind of goes to what you're saying, Tom, about that. And then also in a conversation, any healthy conversation has a balance of sharing and listening and curiosity. If you're lacking one or the other, the conversation uh, starts to, uh, falter, it seems. And, 
You know, it, and I like uh, your practical question, your question, Chris, because some in some contexts it's hard. You know, you can't just blurt out all ten. You know, and just so it's out there and you didn't miss it, <laughs> no, right? No. no, but what I do like though is you can hint at it and be like, "Oh, if you're interested in more, you know, dangers, side effects, costs, you know, I'm, I'm happy to share." You know, just so that you know okay. they, they kind of have a, a context of it. And, and when you mentioned this from our programming. It made me think, I was like, oh, I wonder if I can make a playlist for each of these from our existing episodes. And uh, I think some of them might be lighter than other ones, but I'm, I'm starting to, f- I mean, there's, yeah, there, we, might, we might have an episode on most of them at least. And so, it, like you said, it might be a good agenda. <laughs> the combined insights about mob programming. Good. Yeah, yeah. I look forward to that and I support you, so. <laughs> but by and, the way, um, I, if, if you're ready to move on, I would like to give an example. Let's hear it. All right. For all our okay. podcast listeners out there, uh, we do have a set of slides and there's a link in the show notes. So, uh, Tom, go ahead. Okay. So, I thought I'd give an example of doing that in practice. Okay. So, the, you might say my, my list of 10 ideas was theory. Uh, so, what I have here is from uh, Intel from a guy working at Intel uh, called John Terzakis. He was in Boston. And uh, Intel is my favorite uh, client because uh, for over 20 years, they've been sharing my methods with uh, over 20,000 engineers, giving them a two-day course, uh, basic training. And they've been successfully using my ideas. So I I could start here and say, I got some great ideas. You should read my book. Okay, but in this case, John has spent years uh, researching on real Intel teams using my ideas, and he's published publicly uh, many papers on it, and uh, this is one of them. So I'll, I'll just give you some highlights. Uh, the, 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 by the way, the methods he's using are my methods for which I call language, planning language for writing requirements and designs. So Intel uses my methods to write up, for example, the quality attributes of their new chip products. So, and then he, I have a second method, which is a quality control method uh, uh, for uh, uh, um, quality checking a requirement to see if it follows the Intel standards, which are based on my ideas too. And the, the first standard is uh, that it should be clear and unambiguous to the, anybody reading it. Requirements should be intelligible to the chip architect, etc. Anyway, so he he uh, shows a real example from a real project in detail, where, for example, the uh, they they hand over a 31-page requirement and they find 312 defects, which means violation of Intel's rules for how to do a good job. And they basically say that is about 50 times more uh, unintelligible requirements than we can tolerate without going out of business. So go back and follow the rules. And they sweat a few cycles and they actually reduce uh, the um, uh, defect level after about five or six cycles by uh, from 10 uh, uh, defects per page to 0.2 defects per page. In other words, uh, is that not 50 to one? Uh, and and uh, so they got a 98% reduction. This is before they release the requirements for other uses such as 
to the architects. Okay, so that's one thing. Now, uh, uh, there, there's a highlight here. It says the, uh, the productivity of the teams here was 233% higher. Okay, uh, sounds nice. And what that means? Well, there's a, uh, you, you've got a link there to a full article that he's written called The Impact of, of uh, the um, uh, Software Quality Across Three Product Generations. You can actually look it up, but you'll get, you'll get the detailed paper there. He uh, also said that we're getting 50 times better planning quality. Planning means uh, the requirements are a plan for the requirements sent to the architects and to the testers and things like that. And uh, he also uh, mentions that they've been using this for two decades, over 20 years, and over 21,000 engineers are using it. So they haven't found anything better for 20 years. That tells you something because anybody can try out a method for a while. And uh, but they but if it's if it's really good, it spreads to thousands of people. It's used for decades, and that happens to be the characteristic of my methods at Intel. So uh, and the, the the whole paper uh, goes into a lot more detail. So I, I offer this uh, example from uh, Intel as an example of how I share information about my methods, people say, well, is it worth learning what you have to teach, Tom, or reading your books? And I said, well, let me share this Intel case study with you and let them speak for me. I don't have to brag about myself, if you like. They are uh, explaining uh, academically and scientifically how good the method is in practice in a real public company. So that's my example of how I like to share things, facts. Uh, it's uh, developing a track record. You know, you try the experiment, and then and then it slowly grows, and and from there, um, you know, it, it it continues to compound. And so, uh, I can definitely relate to that. And, and the, you know, especially when the, the the practice is new, there's a lot of skepticism. It's it's much more difficult to to establish legitimacy for an idea. Uh, right early on but as you get uh more and more of these things uh kind of kick-started um and especially spreading a new practice or, you know to in to new areas uh then there is a community developed around it that can then share yep yep big community Twenty thousand engineers <laughs> many of whom have been doing it for many years right by the way there was a point i wanted to make that actually uh connects to uh uh, teams and mob programming. So uh, in later years, the same John Terzakis did research on teams at Intel. And, and the, the key word is RAMP, R-A-M-P. And I forget exactly what it stands for, but uh, you know, you, you, uh, I will supply the uh, sources and articles he's written about it, uh, anybody who requests it. By the way, uh, my email is tom at guild.com. And anybody who wants to email with any questions, feel free. I love to hear from people and answer questions. And so I, I will then supply the additional stuff that he's done. But long story short, what he researched was the influence of proper training to individuals on the team regarding team performance. So that should be of direct interest to mob programming people. Okay, but he's done the research on it and published it, and I've got the papers, and anybody could look him up, John Terzak is Intel and R-A-M-P ramp, and they'd probably find it on the internet straight away.
but I'll, I'll give the details. So I thought I'd, so there is research on team related things from the same guy at Intel. Oh, that's great. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. We've definitely seen that. Uh, uh, <laughs> you can't just throw people on a team together and say, figure it out, you know, some, some guidance, yeah. and some training and help and coaching is, uh, is by, by the way, the beauty here, I, 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 like a lot of academic reports I've, I've written, read recently, what they're all doing is they're just analyzing other academic studies. They don't do any real research themselves and they've never done anything themselves. And I don't know. Uh, this guy has done it. He's been on the teams, worked with the people. This right. is industrial measurement at Intel. And for me, that's a lot more credible than somebody making generalizations from 100 papers they've read. <laughs> Yeah, that that blend of uh, data and experience and research and uh, direct application is good. That's really good. And uh, I guess I got two things on this one. Um, one is you mentioned uh, you know something about regrets, alternatives, things that didn't work. Um, kind of the vulnerability piece of it. I'm guessing that some of that is in the paper or, or that kind of stuff um, in this uh, case study. Uh, yeah, he's very uh, broad. He's very observant, very detailed. So uh, uh, he does talk about the problems and the regrets. But I, uh, to, you know, to quote, I have to reread the paper. It may have been a few years since I read this particular paper, for example. But yeah, you can expect that from him. He's he's not just he's not selling anything. This is not an Intel product they're going to earn money on. He's trying to share. He's just sharing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that, 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 oh, go ahead. Yeah. 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 And that, that really resonates with uh, our heart of things because, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not uh, selling any services or <laughs> anything like that, too. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's awesome to find people who are uh, found something that uh, was beneficial to them and they want to share to help, you know, and, you know, share to network and share to learn and, you know, those kind of things. And so, that, that's fantastic. And by the way, that, that triggers a response for me. I, I be, began to realize that the world is divided into two types of people, at least. Mm -hmm. And one of them are uh, uh, people out to make a fast buck, we call them, an American. And the others are primarily, uh, they're what I call idealists. Mm -hmm. And idealists really want to make the world a better place. And they really want to share out of the goodness of their heart, and they're not doing it for money. And a lot of other people in this business, the only reason they're writing anything or presenting anything or doing anything is in the hopes of making money. And they will, in that context, suppress the truth and fail, fail to tell you what you really need to know. And, uh, you, you know, I, I hope everybody's, you know, uh, got their antennas out and know the difference between these two types of people. Yeah, yeah, and I think... We're, we're idealists, right? We three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, that, that's a big heart of it. I mean, in it's it's always hard to completely divorce it because we do need to make money to pay for our families and things like that. But uh, yeah, the 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 uh, the heart the heart of it is to to help, you know. And I think if you're probably seeking, a spectrum. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, remember, uh, uh, most idealists are making, you know making money for their family at the same time it can right. be combined yep. yes it's when you have no idealism and you'll do anything for a buck that's the dangerous kind of person to communicate with absolutely absolutely nice i, I was marching against atomic weapons when i was 16 my mm. mother taught me to be a protester against bad shit 
<laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Right on. Okay, and maybe before jumping to the next thing, I had um, uh, maybe one follow-up question, maybe somewhat tangential, but I thought it might be relevant, is that, uh, so you talked about Planguage here in written um, description. Is Planguage uh, a thing that can be used in conversation? So let's say, you know, a team is meeting with a customer in their uh, you know, having a conversation about the next most important thing to work on um, is, uh, uh, is, is Planguage, does it have an applica- does it have application there? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Okay. So here, here's, uh, I'm, I'm showing a slide from actually our next topic, but since you asked this question, I can give this an answer. Nice. I, I've, I've, I've developed a thing called impact estimation tables, Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm offering a little free booklet on it too. And I'm giving it away, okay? But long story short, uh, the, and this is language. So on, on, the, uh, on, the, on the left-hand side of this table are your requirements or objectives or values, you know, what you want at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Yep. Uh, just under them are some cost ideas, like your budgets and your deadlines, okay? So on the left-hand side of this table are requirements. Now on the top level, column by column, are alternative or supplementary technologies of any kind, right? Like different forms of mob programming, <laughs> okay? Right. And, and then in, and what we do is we score uh, to the best of our ability with the knowledge we have, uh, like mob programming, how does that influence goal number one? How does it influence goal number two, three, four? And what does it cost us? And then we take a look at the, the next thing, like the, the Agile Manifesto principles as an alternative to mob programming I've got here, right? And we, we do the same scoring, and we can work out an overall score, like uh, mob programming is, gets an overall value to cost score of six, and manifesto principles get 0.1. So mob programming beats the shit out of manifesto principles. Yes. So that's, this is language. You're staring at it right now. And I have invented this table and been doing it for decades. And it helps people think of, uh, it, it's a, it, if you like, it's an engineering structure for comparing any methods or ideas. I'm currently doing this for the U.S. Navy right now. Uh, we're, we're building models of what the Navy needs and uh, different, like some very advanced artificial intelligence technologies for helping them maintain their ships, right? And we're putting them in this, these tables to try and give the admirals a picture of, you know, what are your possible future investments and how much better would they be? Uh, my, my, actually, my, my, uh, Last slide, uh, if I can, uh, you know, show it right away, just for fun, I've begun collecting what I call Elon Musk's methods, right? And I've got a little free booklet for you, about 65 pages. I added three more yesterday on Elon Musk's methods, which I think are very, and he has, uh, of course, we had Joe Justice as one of your speakers, and he spoke to this as he should be, because Musk is doing some really interesting mob programming and, and other, other things there. So, um, uh, so if we were to analyze mob programming as known before you studied Musk and the manifesto principles, and then plug in Musk, I, I've got three options here. Uh, they can be alternatives, they could be supplements to each other, 
but I've got the three of them up there, and then I have scored them against a set of criteria that are important for us to fulfill and a set of costs. And I, I uh, came up with something like, well, the value, the winner is Musk's engineering methods with 63 points, and the other guys get practically nothing. So maybe if you want something really powerful, you should study why Elon Musk is far richer than you are. <laughs> nice, nice. And so, and maybe uh, this is something that, that's kind of built into, uh, what do you call it, impact estimation? Um, yeah, this is an impact estimation table, mm -hmm. and but it's using language. So language is used to quantify the values, to quantify the costs, okay. and to estimate how good these things are. This is uh, the, you know, the table is a one artifact, uh, a major artifact, which combines many of the language ideas, which are about requirements and design and quality control and and uh, things like that. So but it's, you might say it's sort of the epitome of the whole language is that you can summarize everything in this table with regard to all of your requirements, objectives, and budgets. Mm -hmm. And none of that, you can simplify. So I'm showing the next slide, which is just simply that same uh, spreadsheet chart table, but I'm, I'm doing it as a bar chart, which you can do off of any, uh, any spreadsheet. And so I've simplified what we're looking at. We can, we can look at the uh, relative to how good mob programming is, what are its costs, and then how, how good uh, the manifesto principles are, irrespective of their costs, which unfortunately tend to be quite high. And then we can look at Musk's engineering philosophy. And uh, wow, it's really powerful. And his costs are really low. Smart guy. No wonder he's so rich. <laughs> yeah. And so I think um, kind of going back to just sharing and knowing someone's context, I think the things you had in the table for Planguage is that specific needs of a certain context or certain organization, right? So, you know, you could be evaluating different ways to do something and one option would be really good for goals A, B, and C, but not so good for goals E, F, and G. That's right. Like that. Okay. So uh, the thing is, the how any given method um, the, uh, um, impacts your values, qualities, and costs is almost arbitrary. It's not like, you know, nothing is all good and very cheap. Practically <laughs> nothing, right? So, so you really need to build, uh, build up this picture very systematically, if you like, one requirement at a time, one cost at a time. And by the way, what I, do, uh, what I do is when I ask for an estimate, I also ask for the evidence and the source of the evidence, and I give it a credibility rating, zero meaning bullshit, and 10 meaning perfect facts you can rely on, right? So I'm, I'm quality, uh, I'm actually introducing a form of quality control in the estimates there so that you can know whether this is based on uh, you know, a, a good set of facts that you can rely on, or it's just somebody's humble opinion, which they have no basis for having. So this makes you think very systematically. You know, we can't afford, for example, in the US Navy to put in a major multi-billion dollar program for, uh, without at least doing this level of thinking about doing it before we dive in and get the admiral's uh, approval for doing it. And my experience is, because I've worked with quite a few admirals and generals, is exactly at that level, the admirals and generals understand this stuff and they love it and they say so. 
and they tell their people, you will do this level of uh, uh, evaluation and analysis before we make a major decision. No more mumbling and, you know, saying uh, th this is really sexy shit. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and and I guess you know the, these uh, you could you could have an impact analysis for a giant scale, right? You know, like a huge organization or company, or you could even do it for a, a team, I suppose, right? So. The, the, the absolutely spirit, the spirit because i mean because often it's it's safer to have an, a culture of learning and experimentation where you try ideas out in the small before uh you know they propagate to bigger right yeah, yeah. So, so even if well, I, you're not I, standing I, before a, a a general right uh saying i'm gonna have you change how all these ships operate or something you could just be before team and it's i, I could see the value of evaluating hey what what matters to us and yep. what what things are likely to um, let's evaluate what things are likely to help with our goals, right? This problem solving. Yeah. yeah. Again, I refer people back to the, and maybe you put this in there, Joe Justice's interview with you, mm -hmm. where he pointed out what Musk does in a lot of these cases. So uh, Musk is a great example. I, I consider Musk the greatest agilist in the, on the planet by far. And he's using agile methods the way they should be used not the way that Scrum and Agile Manifesto talks about. I think those are uh, very, very, very poor cousins, okay? I mean, show me somebody who's, who's actually primarily used Scrum to become, to get three, you know, $250 billion. But the, the guy who's doing it right is Musk, and he's very quantitative, okay? A very team-oriented, and he's very incremental, you know, believes in solving his problems one increment at a time and just make progress every day, every day, not in your dreams 10 years from now. So uh, here, by the way, are uh, it, there, there's uh, Musk's engineering philosophy uh, picked from an interview he did at SpaceX in Texas. He's never written this down, but uh, I'll just take the first principle of five where he basically says, whenever you get any requirements, assume they are bad requirements, no matter who gave you the requirements. Indirectly he's saying, even if I, Elon Musk, give you the requirements, challenge them, analyze them, and figure out what the good requirements are. And he says the same thing about designs. Here's a quotation. All designs are wrong. It's just a matter of how wrong. So look at his skepticism, his willingness to analyze and find the truth, get nearer and nearer to what works. So I, th I think uh, I give Musk, a, imagine if you could get Elon Musk on your show, guys. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that uh, skepticism um, with requirements or conversation in that, uh, you know, uh, you know, usually it requires further conversation, further experimentation, etc. I love that skepticism. And uh, yeah, I, I'm looking at these uh, principles, you know, automate, that's a huge cornerstone for us too. cycle time, yeah, optimize the design, simplify, simplify, simple. That's, that's a big one I need often. There's yeah. a little, there's a little detail here. It's in the second line. Sure. These things must be completed in sequence. Ah, yes. And, and Musk admits publicly, we all know about his problems with the production line of the Tesla Model 3, which I happily drive these days. And he tried to automate too much. 
before he'd done this fundamentals thing and thought it through. He just assumed maximum robotics was good. He, he had now admits he was wrong and he didn't follow his own guidance and it cost him you know, a great deal of stress and sleeping on the factory floor at nights, right? So, so the, 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 the beauty of this, not only does he have five very powerful principles, including a sixth one, which is uh, that everybody should be what he calls a chief engineer, meaning they should understand the entire system and not just be a coder, right? Yeah. He wants people who can see the big picture, how their code relates to the hardware and, and the, the whole car and whatever it is. And, uh, but, but uh, so, so the, the, the idea is, you know, get those requirements pinned down before you start automating just because you believe automation is a good thing because it might not be. And it wasn't a no, Tesla lean, free production line. Lean process optimization uh, yep. pre precedes uh, automation. And not, not just for uh, um, cost, but also understanding the problem ahead of time. So uh, I think right now uh, we uh, have pretty much run out of time. Um, so uh, you know, thank you very much, Tom, for joining us on the show. Uh, to any of our audience members who uh, know somebody maybe that um, that could use a just sharing checklist uh, or a system for uh, promoting ideas within an organization. Um, please share this episode. Uh, Tom, do you have anything that you want to plug in or share before we sign off? Yeah, the, the, the last slide, which I hope you guys will publish, is free detailed books like on Musk's methods, value, uh, the impact estimation table, etc. So I, I want to give you my knowledge in writing and you can share it with all of your friends. All right. Sounds good. Look for that in the show notes. Um, and uh, if you, uh, if you, like this content, uh, comment about it, and, and maybe ask questions in, in, in the different uh, comment sections. Like and subscribe, and we will see you all later. Thank you very much. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for inviting me. been a pleasure.